Welcome to Conversations at the Crossroads, a ministry of Crossroads Church in Sandy, Utah, where we discuss topics related to scripture texts, theology, and the culture around us. We're glad you could listen in today. Come join us for the conversation. Welcome to another conversation. My name is Ken McCauley. With me is Pastor Matt Imadi from Crossroads Church in Sandy, Utah. And Matt, you've been going through the book of Exodus for some time now, and we're in the middle of the Ten Commandments, as they're commonly called. And sometime, a few weeks ago, you got to the Third Commandment, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Exodus 20, verse 7. And in that, you talked about how this doesn't really mean what it's commonly taken to mean you, you shall not cuss, or you shall right. not blaspheme. Yep. It, it covers that. Right. But this kind of went in, a, in what I think was a more robust direction. Yeah, I, it's not limited to that. Typically, when, when we recite this third commandment or think about it, we limit it to our speech. I think it includes speech, but it's so much more. And I think it's helpful to offer a kind of woodenly literal translation to help us understand how this commandment is bigger than just speech. And you could, you could translate it this way. You shall not carry the name of the Lord your God emptily or in vanity. So not just, not just take, but you shall not carry his name around. You shall not represent him in an empty, vain way, which encompasses really all of life. I, when I hear that, I tend to think of a military battle standard. Hmm. Would that be kind of an apt picture of yeah, what that word, that verb is? Conveying? I think so. Yeah, I like that. You're carrying around God's name and you're representing him everywhere you go and in everything that you do. In fact, the same word for carry is used, I think it's in Exodus 28, I'd have to go back and double check, where the priest's garments are being described. And what it says in there is that the high priest is to carry a stone on each of his shoulders, and on each stone is engraved six of the names of the tribes of Israel, and then he's to carry on his breastplate 12 stones, each one representing one of the tribes of Israel. So that priest embodies the people when he enters into the tabernacles as if he's carrying the people with him. And a similar idea is going on here with respect to the people representing, as a royal priesthood, that's how they're identified in Exodus 19, Yahweh's name everywhere they go and in all that they do. Do you think, and, and here my mind goes to the book of Revelation, where uh, we always talk about the mark of the beast, but there is another mark, the seal of the Spirit right. that we carry. Yep. And do you, do you think that that may be sort of the bound up in that concept? I think so. I think it's exactly what's going on because Christians in the book of Revelation are marked out in various ways. One of the ways they're marked out is on their foreheads where it says his name shall be on their foreheads. Right. And I actually think that's picking up on the whole idea of the priesthood where the priest wore a turban with a crown that mm -hmm. said holy to the lord on their foreheads and i think john is saying god's people are a priestly people they are marked out they carry him everywhere they go and they they truly worship him 
And in in this context, in Exodus 20, I think that's part of what's going on is, is true worship, that they're not to do what Israel did later in their history, which was they would go perform ceremonial and religious activities in the temple, for example, and say, we have the temple, we have the law, we have the ceremonies. And then they'd go out from there and basically hate their neighbors and not care for widows and orphans in their society and cheat and lie and steal. And it's like, well, they were carrying the Lord's name emptily in vanity. Right. Growing up as an army officer's brat, something that was instilled to a, in, in us as a little kid wanting dad to put on his uniform and come trick-or-treating with us. No, you don't do that. Right. Because that uniform means something. Exactly. And there were things in the uh, uh, uniform code of military justice where you just don't do certain things when you're wearing the uniform. Yeah. Because you're, then you're not just you. You are representing the military. Yeah, that's good. And it's it's similar. It makes me think of baptism, where we are baptized in the name mm-hmm. of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's like we're putting on the uniform. We're putting on the the jersey, so to speak, that we now are marked out and are identified by God's name and his covenant faithfulness and all that he is, his righteous character. We are now this priestly people that have been marked out and have a responsibility to show the world who God is and what he's like based on how we love and treat one another, based on how we gather for worship, based on how we live our lives. And we don't do so in a legalistic way. We don't do so in a cringing fear of the Lord, but we delight in the Lord. Right. We love him. We love his name and are honored to bear it. So the reason that we conduct ourselves conscious of bearing his name out into the world, the reason we're conscientious about that is we love him and we don't want to see his name disgraced. Exactly. Yeah, that's all a result of, of the new birth, which going back to baptism, baptism represents that this new life that we have with Christ and have been so identified with him that as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so I think all of that is encompassed in this third commandment. In some ways, as I was studying for the sermon to preach on this, it made me think of of the catch-all category in the qualifications for an elder. Not that I'm saying there's a direct link, but it's a similar idea, that he's to be above reproach. Right. It's kind of a catch-all. And it almost seems like something similar is going on here, that it's like this catch-all. You, you Israel, you're the, the treasured possession, my royal priesthood, as he says in Exodus 19. Therefore, you're to carry that name with weight and honor and glory and represent me to the watching world. Yes, bound up in this, you said the word weight, and bound up in this is the idea of kabod, of, of glory. And... You know, we're, we're, we've been kind of talking about ways that people can disgrace the name of God. But wouldn't it be fair to say, when he says, don't take his name in vain, there's a lot of ways that evangelicals are just shallow and flippant and, and treat the name of God without gravity. Right. And I'm thinking of the, the popular ad campaign, Jesus Gets You. Yeah. And how, how frivolously... Yep. That treats Jesus. Yep. And in our art that we create, our music that we create, movies and television shows that we create, are we 
treating God with uh, without that sense of weight. Right. Yeah, that's, that's super helpful. You know, like the ad campaign, Jesus Gets Us, it puts, it gives sinful man the weight, and it almost makes Jesus the one who's just pandering to sinful man. It Instead really of the opposite, which Jesus calls us to worship him and to repent and to believe in him. But, you know, we that kind of frivolousness in which we can carry the Lord's name uh, does include speech. So at the beginning we said it's not limited to that, but it does include that. And we can speak about God or invoke his name in such a way as to be kind of careless. Yes. And, and to say things and attribute things to God that aren't true. And to do so, I think, is to carry his name in, in a vain way. You know, where we just use God's name as a filler or as a, an expression for excitement. Right. Um, or where we attribute kind of a a life decision or a direction we are heading to a certain uh, insight to God's will, but then it doesn't come to pass. And we've just attributed that to God, you know, whether it's God told me to do this or uh, God is having me do this. We just need to... Be mindful of how we use God's name and carry it even on our tongues because these issues matter because God deserves glory. Yeah, and, and not just in a—we we, we aren't just saying we shouldn't blaspheme, but more than that, we treat God's name lightly when we miscast him in ways that are contrary to or— are, are far lighter and smaller than that which he has revealed himself to be. Right. And and we think of some of the theologies out there where, you know, this, this sort of uh, God is my buddy, my yep. BFF theology uh, that, that treats him— well, I mean, let's just call it out. I mean, when Joel Osteen opens his mouth, he is taking the name of the Lord in vain yeah. because his is, is not the God of Scripture. Right. It's false teaching. False teaching is a great example of a violation of the third commandment, right? Because false teaching attributes characteristics to God or statements about how we can be right with God that God himself hasn't revealed. And any kind of false teaching would be an appropriate application of how to violate this commandment. We haven't even really touched on specifically what it means to carry about God's name, like why why God's name? And it's because his name is bound up with both his being and his acts of redemption, at least in the book of Exodus, because Exodus 6 and forward is answering the question that Pharaoh poses, who is Yahweh? that I should obey him. Right. And then it's as if his question sets off in the narrative all of these plagues and miracles that God does to show how great Yahweh is as sovereign over the nations, the one who redeems his people, the one who is holy, and all of these attributes that he reveals about his being and his uh, plan of redemption are attached to his name. Right. Yeah. So many other ways that we could sort of cash out how we carry that name in deed, in word, even in thought. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the name that you bring up throughout Scripture, uh, throughout the Psalms, uh, throughout the, even into the New Testament, 
that name is not just a label, but is uh, John MacArthur used to say that uh, his name is not a title; it is a total. <laughs> I like that. That it is, it is representative of, as you said, who he is and what yep. he has done. Right. And, and this this God, whose name we bear, uh, my mind goes to Daniel seven. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire, taking our minds into Ezekiel. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment. And the books were opened. Hmm. And that is an image that we should lock into our minds and say, that is the God we represent. But then we take another image uh, from the New Testament, not an opposed image, but totally consonant with that. And we see God, the God-man, on the cross when he could have annihilated all those who opposed him, and he stayed that he might fulfill his Father's will and bring about our salvation. That's the God whose name we carry. And whom Paul says, upon his resurrection, God has bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, into yes. which every knee will bow and to confess that Jesus is Lord. It's a wonderful truth, and, and what a wonderful privilege to bear that name. If you have comments or questions about this or other topics, reach out to us at conversations at crossroadschurchutah.org.